Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top-shelf equipment and designers for broadcast, concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know that this is your most important event. It is their goal to make you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to the LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as the columnist for PLSN at the, uh, the LD at large, the back page. I hope you guys are all enjoying that. I'm here today with my really good friend, Roger Pugh of Devious Designs. Him and I had a great conversation in Nashville just a few nights ago while he was out on tour with Tesla. Of course, the conversation started with some Ayrton lighting, some of the new fixtures, and it, uh, it definitely progressed into talking about something that him and I both share a... Uh, a passion for, which is raising awareness for the amounts of ADHD that is in our industry. And I, my son has, has the gift and Roger does as well. And he thought it would be uh, becoming of him to come on our podcast and share some awareness. So thank you so much for coming out, Roger. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah. So we, uh, Thanks to wonderful Facebook, it said that you were in my area, and so I, as soon as I landed in in Nashville, I got to come out, and we ended up going to dinner. We had a delicious dinner. Excellent vegetarian place. <laughs> I uh, I always enjoy taking people to some some new new experiences. I had my first vegetarian pastrami. It was quite good, in fact. <laughs> don't uh, don't let the hype sway you. There's a lot of there's a lot of delicious vegan foods out there. But uh, one of the things that we really started getting into, and I feel like it made us even extra comfortable around each other, is because I myself don't have ADHD, but my wife and my son do. And you are now being able, you're now able to really discuss it openly, and you, you've been gifted with ADHD your whole life as well, Correct. Uh, correct. I, I love that you call it a gift. I mean, I wish I could see it that way all the time. <laughs> I I have to say that I, I have to say that because so <laughs> many people that I tell about every 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 time I try to explain it, everybody wants to say that oh you're afflicted or oh you're suffering from or oh you you uh, it's a disorder that you have. To my son, I'm like you shut your face. Honestly, the only time I find it a, to be a disorder or a challenge is when it comes to communicating with other people. It's not so much that it's a disorder from subjectively, but there is a breakdown when it comes to communicating with others, and that's where the difficulties can arise. Plus, not everybody, like objectively, when they're looking at you, they're not really getting your processes. They're not getting how you're coming to your thought process or how you're making the decisions you're making. Like it's to them, it seems abstract. So that can be the challenge that interpersonal relationship with non-ADHD individuals can, you know, yeah. I agree. I don't think it's 
I don't think it's the people that with ADHD that are the problem. I think it's the people who are unable to interact with people with ADHD that are that are they're not helping. They it's either a lack of awareness or lack of uh, education or information about what ADHD is. Then and then it's not fake. I, I run into that all the time. Like oh, he just needs to be disciplined more, or it's the screen time, or Unfortunately, that was how a lot of uh, parents took it when it first started appearing, say, in the 80s and 90s. And my parents, I mean, I, I love them. They they did their best coping with me. But my father, he was one of those where I was just a hyper spaz who was difficult. And his solution was to, you know, yell at me. And that obviously didn't help. Um, now, I'm not saying he was a bad father at all. He did his damnedest to be a good father. It's just that was that communication thing we had difficulty communicating you know um and i I personally feel like that that was a huge problem with say my teenage years like i don't know the stats on it but in my case my ADD really manifested right around 13 14 and of course with puberty kicking in that only made my father and I's relationship even more challenging and i've thought plenty of times in hindsight that maybe if we you know, were able to communicate or if I had more support that maybe things could have turned out differently in the long run for me. But again, that's all in hindsight. Yeah. I think the, the science wasn't there in the eighties and nineties that we have now, of course. And the, uh, the education definitely wasn't as readily available as it is now. I can Google it. I can go to a therapist in my, in my area and we can, we have, they can suggest so many books on the topic and we can, really dive into what it is whereas your your family didn't have that luxury there just also wasn't a lot of support overall i mean it wasn't like adhd kids back then had facebook we didn't have all these lovely inspirational memes we didn't have the ability to have facebook groups where we could meet each other talk um just people also weren't as open about it and at first people almost seemed ashamed to even have adhd and nowadays, it seems like as soon as I mention it, 10 people around me go, hey, I got it too. Hey, and now we're talking. But that didn't happen back then. I think that's one of the best parts about your Facebook feed is when you mention a problem or a quirk that you're having and people are like, oh, my God, I, I, I think I have ADHD too. And they're willing to look at their own quirks and say, hey, this is a real thing. Well, uh, my hopes with posting stuff like that is as ADD has the swing. You, know, if you have two sides of the coin, either you're hyper-focused or extremely distracted. And the same thing comes with the melancholy. Either you're really up or you're really down. Well, it's, it's the people who are on the downswing that I'm hoping to reach by sharing. Like I, I had some really tough years when I was younger. I didn't have people to talk to. I just thought I was broken, you know, and... Doctors didn't know enough about it to really help me. And um, the, mel- the melancholy got tough back then. There were some tough times when I was younger, especially as a teenager. And nowadays, the fact that we can talk to me is just amazing. And I hope that anything I share on my Facebook can help somebody. If I catch somebody having a down day and they just happen to read one of the random memes I post, maybe I can help somebody have a smile and cope through that day a little bit better. Yeah, so let's let's get into that. Let's actually kind of talk about what ADHD does and what it doesn't mean. The the thing that most people notice first is the the intense hyper focus 
followed by complete distraction. Can you explain how and when that kind of affects you? Um, well, the hyper-focus, like, if I'm interested in anything in the slightest, I can get locked into it for ex- exceptional periods of time, like where nothing breaks it, where even sleep, everything suffers. Um, but if I'm having any challenges, if say I get the tiniest bit flustered, then the swing starts, then the scattering starts. Then you, you can't grab onto one thought at a time. They're all jumping around. The, let's say distractions are the worst too. In my case, I have to have three things going on in the house at all times to keep myself from being distracted. There has to be a constant supply of white noise behind me, blocking out everything else. Uh, if I do that, I can lock into something for hours on end. So that if I'm sitting in a quiet room where I can hear the birds chirping outside, the guy mowing the lawn down the street, you know, the car driving across the street. I will never get anything done. And then once I get into the scattered zone, it's so hard to, to realign yourself. Um, it's hard to put that in words. I was just that, that's why I use the word scattered. You're just your mind's going a million miles an hour, and it's on every other thing, and you're remembering everything you need to do, but you can't get yourself to do it. Um, and then the anxiety starts. <laughs> you know you're supposed to be doing it. You know you're not doing it. Now you've got yourself between a rock and a hard place of psychology. <laughs> oh, man. That is a vicious cycle to break free of. Um, but the flip, again, there's, a, there's always a swing, an A and a B side. When you are on the up and up and you are motivated and things are going the sense of pride and accomplishment that comes is even more intense because you know very well what it's like to not be accomplishing things. You know how hard it can be to not get things done and how the condition can work against you. So when you start accomplishing things and start knocking things off your checklist, oh, and I cannot emphasize enough, checklists and to-do lists are your best friend when you have ADHD. Write down all the things you need to do so you can see them and watch yourself checking them off. And with each check, you get a slight bit of euphoria, and that can be your drive. Now, that can also be what feels the hyper-focus, too, so you've got to be careful there. It's, uh, it's physical, as far as I know. The, you're, the, checking of, the checking of boxes on a list is an actual dopamine hit for your brain. I, actually, I totally agree with that. I mean, it, it does trigger pleasure, um, and it has an addictive drive, just like say you know you have dopamine or chocolate even you eat chocolate you, you know it feels good you want more you know it's the dopamine really same thing you check a couple things off your box you're feeling great now you want to do more it gets to the point that when you run to the, get to the end of your list you almost don't know what to do anymore <laughs> so i run into that often with my son in the morning i'll say okay go upstairs put on your clothes brush your teeth brush your hair floss your teeth, and then come back downstairs. And to me, that sounds very straightforward and exact. And I feel like anybody who's heard the, my voice should be able to do those four things in that order. That is until he remembers three things that he was thinking about yesterday on his way up to the bathroom. Exactly. <laughs> he'll go upstairs and he'll be like, oh my God, I haven't changed the battery in my alarm clock. Exactly. He next thing I know, I go upstairs and he hasn't done the four things I do, I've asked him to do. And he comes downstairs and he's like, "Do we have any batteries?" And I'm like, "There is no way 
you need batteries to do those four things. And for me, it's frustrating, or it was more frustrating until I, I fully understood what was happening. So in so now I'm able to just write the four things down, give him a checklist, and I'll send him upstairs. And I have to be very specific. I'm like, put on socks, then your pants, well, then the, the, use the, the plus thing about the checklist is it allows you to prioritize. So, yeah, he may have gotten distracted by the batteries, but he can still look at his list and go, well, I know I still need to do these things. He may get distracted by another thing along the way, but in the back of his mind, he's still prioritizing. He's probably going, well, I have time to do the other things. You know, so there is a rationalization. And even though the, the ADD does sometimes seem arbitrary, it's amazing how rational it is subjectively. Often we're sitting there going, okay, well, I know I need to do these 10 things, but here's these two new things that just presented themselves. But I have time to do those 10 things. I can go do these two things now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's I've, I've experienced that like a that. thousand times. <laughs> it's, it's the little things like that that make a world of difference. And I'm sure that you've seen that exact uh, same thing in your, in your designs and out on the tour where you're, you get swamped and you're just like, I have to make myself a list. I have to get through this. Um, especially with programming, there's, I mean, as you know, there's quite a few steps in programming a song, especially getting it locked in for say Q to Q or time code. Uh, and when I have 22 songs I'm facing, I sit there and I break it all down and then go, okay, this is the order of things I need to do to approach a song. Now I'm not necessarily always going to stick to that order, but I've given myself a base framework to at least refer to. Um, and it helps me also remember things that may have gotten lost like let's say i was going to go back and do the effects on the washes of my clone pool later you know let's say i totally spaced on that because i don't see the washes in my visualizer then later i'm going down my list and i see one unchecked box and go oh yeah i gotta do this thing so talk about add and getting scattered i forgot the point i was trying to make You were talking about how you need to build yourselves your own list and how sometimes part of that list is make list. Yeah, well that, that's, oh, wow, that's even funnier that to make lists is sometimes, in fact, on the lists. You yeah. Know, sometimes you tell yourself, I need to write something down. So you write yourself a reminder to write something down later. And you'd, you'd told me about an app that you use for that. What was the name of that? It's called Todoist. Um, super handy. It's multiple to-do lists that lets you organize the two to-do lists, lets you spa- separate them by day, separate them by the week, separate them by category. Um, and then you can also use the filter f- on it. So let's say I want to find something that's buried in all of my lists, but I can't remember which list. I can use the filter to find the item. Uh, so it's a really good way of dividing things up. I have a couple tours I'm working on now. So in Todoist, I've got each tour as their own category. I've got things I need to do today. For example, podcast with Chris Luce, number one item on top of my today list. Um, I have things I need to do this week. I need to go shopping this week. You know, just oh, stuff like that allows you to separate and sort everything in detail. That sounds like a, a huge advancement from the, the days of day planners and calendars and it just on your phone and it tells you, hey, you have to do this now at this time. Get on it. 
I swear it was definitely designed for ADHD people because when you check everything <laughs> when you check everything off, it says you have no items left. Go enjoy your day. And that's definitely something I feel sometimes we need to be reminded is hey, you've done everything you need to do today. Go relax. Go do something. Like sometimes it's difficult to tell ourselves, hey, we have accomplished what we need to accomplish. You can relax. Is that anxiety always makes you feel like you've got something to do. There's something next. You're missing something. And then the ADD makes you question whether you forgot to do something. Is there something you're overlooking? So it's, sometimes it's hard to make yourself take a break. And one thing I do enjoy about that software is at the end of your list, it flat out tells you, you've completed your list. Go enjoy your day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're anything like my son, that becomes the biggest issue come nighttime. When you know that go to bed is on your list, but you are so focused in something that you just, you're physically able to go long times, long hours into the night on a project. That can definitely be difficult. I, I find that problem constantly while programming shows. My solution, I was telling you this earlier, uh, my solution is you actually have to like pretty much break down the nightly routine like its own list. You set a target time. This is the time that I need to turn everything off. Let's say I'm going to bed, say midnight. Then I'm going to say, okay, 10 o'clock. I got to turn my laptop off. I'm turning the lighting down in the house to a low lighting mode. I'm going to find something on TV that's not too upbeat, something chill, like Star Trek or Deep Space Nine, something calm. Um, and then I use that as a wind down process because if I'm, I cannot go from work to sleep it just does not happen if you don't make a separation your, your mind is still going a million miles an hour and if you don't try to stop yourself the next thing you know it's four in the morning and you're going crap i have to work in two hours so yeah i, I totally empathize with that one you really if you get locked into it if you don't force yourself to stop and stopping can be a challenge and like like i said you Sometimes you just need to break it down into a process to help you stop. Like I do these things to help me stop. That's that's a huge uh, lesson for anybody who's listening. That uh, you got to get your sleep. It doesn't matter if if you're just uh, you have the long list of tedious uh, like activities. Even on, tour, even on a tour bus. So because we get stuck in our our job there, and we're on somebody else's schedule there. You can ask people who've toured with me. Usually right before I go to bed, you'll see me go up to the front and sit with the driver for like half hour, 45 minutes before I go crawl in my bunk. It's usually quieter up there. I can. It's darker up there. I can watch the road, which which in itself is a little hypnotizing. You know, I'm not sitting in the back drinking with everybody. And I'll use that 45 minutes as a little wind down, you know, just like I would at home. So then when I go to my bunk, I'm not still in show mode. I'm not still in loadout mode. Explain to me how that feels in your body sometimes when when you're trying to get something done and somebody's like, look, you, you have to stop doing this and you have to go to sleep or you know, any other, anytime that you, you're drawn, you're just taken away from one project to onto something that is, has a higher priority. Well, it's, it's, it's that whole dopamine pleasure you know, anxiety combo. It, when you're working and you're making progress, it feels good. When you're not, you feel anxious. So somebody interjecting, attempting to stop you triggers anxiety. Um, 
the more they're trying to stop you, the, the more distracting they are, or just the more they're distracting you from finishing. So it, it starts to compile and it triggers anxiety, at least in me, when somebody's trying to force me to stop, it makes me very agitated. Ask anybody who's ever told me it's a dark, dark house for an hour, you know, in a theater. <laughs> Anybody who's ever come up to me at the board during that dark hour has probably seen my anxiety manifest instantly. Oh, um, that must be so frustrating. You have a project that you're hyper-focused on and they're like, no, you have to do nothing. Yeah, especially when it's IA, you have no choice. So you just got to stop. And anybody who's ever toured with me at a theater has heard me say that at least once, that dark house is the bane of my existence. So it's because it instantly triggers a massive amount of anxiety. You have that list of things you're trying to accomplish. You know what you need to do. And then you also have your own anxieties, the fear of not finishing your tasks. So when somebody else outside of your control stops you forces you to stop it's it's just a recipe for anxiety so then you sit outside and pace and i used to be a smoker i'd sit outside and chain smoke now i have the vape so i sit outside and chain vape until they let me program again i will right, get into that in a little bit but uh, i would imagine that that just triggers your natural impulsivity because you, you to apply a filter to your actual feelings when that's happening has got to be very difficult I would imagine lots of words get blurted out that are that are tough for you to like, oh my God, that's that's what I really meant, but I, I maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, lots and lots. Um yeah, the the impulsivity, that's a major, major, major thing. And only now at almost forty have I learned to control that a little. But yeah, that that's a tough one when you get agitated, you want to say the first thing that pops in your head and it's not usually a nice thing <laughs> and it's not usually well, well structured either. But generally um, honest, right? Usually painfully honest. Painfully. Yeah. I, yeah, I my... say pain, I say painfully because while I can often hurt the person I'm talking to and it often has negative effects on me as I don't make friends when I'm that honest. Yeah, my son has the same thing. He can brutally, honestly say, I don't care about what you're talking about and I don't want to engage right now, so I'm just going to walk away from you. And you're like, whoa, so that was really honest. I do uh, that. My, I do that too. And I actually don't understand why that's such a big deal on that particular thing. I do that to people, but I try to be polite about it going, listen, no offense, man. I'm heavily distracted and I'm not listening to anything you're saying. Like, I'm doing it because in my mind, I'm trying to be polite to the other individual. Instead of letting the other individual just talk to dead space, I want them to know, hey, I'm not actually listening to you. Because if I was talking, <laughs> I'd rather be listened to. And if nobody's listening to me, I'd rather them let me know so I'm not talking to dead air. Oh, so, man. Subjectively, I do that not to be mean. I do that because I don't want you to waste your breath. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that wins you a lot of clients unless you unless they know where that's coming from because it's coming from such a genuine, wonderful place. But if you don't know where that's coming from, you're like, "Whoa, that was that was really rude." So, unfortunately, one side effect of ADHD is subjectivity. Um, because of that lack of communication, the inability to see eye to eye with everybody else and necessarily see it how they see it means that when you're trying to communicate, your only point of reference is subjectivity. 
you know, your own personal experiences. And uh, a lot of times that gets misconstrued. People think you're arrogant or cocky or you're only talking about yourself. But in reality, that's just our only way to connect to other people is we go to personal references. So how, we look in our mind and go, how do, does something I know connect to something you know? And that's the only way we can find our communication route. Um, just it gets misinterpreted often as arrogance or know-it-all. We're just trying to talk. But yeah, that subjectivity thing, it's a big side effect. I really enjoy talking to you because it actually feels like me talking to my son in a few years because these are all the same things I'm going through with him because uh, currently we're doing everything we can to not medicate because we don't feel like that's the the initial path that anybody should take. Uh, if If it comes to a higher level, we'll, we'll do that. But it's so currently he's just unfettered ADHD bounces off the walls. He won't sit for 10 seconds. He, his mind is going so fast on things that he's thinking about from this morning that we'll be in the middle of a conversation. He'll be like, Hey, did you know that uh, you can defeat an ender dragon with three roadblocks? I'm like, where did that come from? He's like, Oh, it's from Minecraft this morning. We were talking about this three hours ago. He's like, Oh yeah, I, I forgot about that. I definitely get the fidgety thing. In fact, as we speak, I'm rocking back and forth in my chair with one leg twitching about a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we've done the, the, the fidget spinners and the, the jewelry and all that with him. And it's, it doesn't matter what you do. If you take one away, it manifests itself in a new way. And if you take that one away, it just changes. It went from kissing to chewing on his hair, to putting things in his mouth, uh, to, playing with rocks you know it's always something new and different huge chunk of my life that was the cigarettes the cigarettes the action of moving the hand back and forth to taking a hit counts as moving it counts as doing something you know walking outside to to, to get a smoke you know all of that counts as doing something so now i have the vape which i jokingly call my adult pacifier and it's effectively the same thing just it gives you something to do. You keep playing with it. You're, something's in your hand. You know, it's just a focus tool. I know I drive everybody else nuts with it. I think when you met me, mine was leaking and I smelled like graham crackers. Yeah, but so I so coming from my place of, of of an educated point of view, though, I know that of all the pacifiers that you can have, that's the best one that you can have. You know, a lot of people will be judging me like, "Oh, look at how much that guy vapes." But I can look at you and go like, yes, thank God he found vaping. Or I'm so he's so fortunate to have found vaping, because otherwise it would be something so much worse. It would be smoking or 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 drinking, drinking or something up your nose. Or you know, there's so many worse soothers that you could have. And not to mention people who you know, are having difficulties with their conditions who may be dealing with the melancholy or the melancholy or the depression, they may say use drinking to escape that sensation. Uh-huh. You know, so anything other than one of them negative tools, smoking, drinking, or any other drugs, anything other than that is a good tool. Even if it's just a Sharpie, heck, give them a lighter and let them twirl the lighter in their finger. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a much better solution than uh, giving them, uh, you know, some powder here and there. You know, that's that's far yeah. better. Even if it's a clicky pen, I hate. My son did, had the clicky pen for a while, and that was so annoying. But it was 
it's better than the alternatives. Well, the, and now we all have our smartphones. I mean, there's 101 things he can use to yeah. focus on there. I mean, I know I've got my couple little distraction tools on there. A couple games <laughs> that I play specifically to keep myself from going insane when I'm sitting still. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that you share with my son is what's called twice exceptional. You were, you're, you're a very smart human being and you're also very hyper-focused and you're very easily distractible and impulsive. My son, he was recently tested and he, his IQ is through the roof and he can, he started reading very young. He, he grasps these huge concepts in math and science that normal eight-year-olds don't. And it, and it leads to him being kind of excluded at school because he wants to talk about things that nobody in his peer group wanted to discuss. Yep. Um, it, that ties into that subjectivity. So you want to talk about the things you know and that you understand and want to find a way to share that and communicate with others, especially if it's something you enjoy. And for example, I, I love quantum mechanics, thermodynamics, uh, physics in general, a subject I never get to talk about with people because most people don't study that subject. But when you find somebody who does, it's well, like a kid on Christmas morning. You get so excited. You just break into a conversation. I, and if they're not another ADHD people, you can overwhelm them because the second that dopamine's released, the, oh my, somebody actually knows this stuff, you just start dumping everything. And of course, <laughs> being ADHD, you're skipping around. You're not staying on one particular part of it. You're trying to share it all simultaneously. So, yeah, um, that can be difficult in school for sure because the average person barely likes being in science class. They don't want to sit and discuss the laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it, I can only, when I'm discussing it with you, I can actually see it in your, in your shoulders and your hands and your, uh, I'm, I can hold my own in, in physics and stuff. But when we were having a discussion, your, your whole body is just pulsing with so much information that you're trying to get it out as fast as possible. And I, and I really enjoyed listening to you because there was so much information coming so fast. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Uh, my takeaway from most individuals is that right there is one of the things that makes us hard to talk to is that we, when we get excited, we dump it all, all of it as fast as we can. And we're fighting to try to control that flow. And like, it's like having, you know, a 10,000 PSI hose and trying to shoot it out of a hundred PSI nozzle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great analogy. Like, there's just so much data trying to come out and you just can't get it all out at once and that, so, that's what happens when you when you you know you engage us on something we're into we just it's all or nothing it's the only way i can describe it it's all or nothing either we're totally into it or we're not into it that has to tap into one of the other aspects of adhd which is a low frustration tolerance and i would imagine your own frustration compounds your own frustration you're like i'm not getting to where I want to with this conversation because I'm frustrated. And then it just, I would imagine that mounts quickly. That was another one of those things on the, the quick note sheet that hit home when I read that, that, that frustration thing. 
It's something that I try very, 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 very hard to control because it's another one of those things that'll push people away. Um, you just, yeah. When you get agitated, if you can't stave it off, it gets bad fast, like very fast. If you get frustrated, you almost just want to say, just screw it. I'm done. You probably actually say that, but that whole bipolar melancholy thing that kind of comes with it, you'll swing back to 10 minutes later and going, man, I really don't want to quit. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, yeah, the frustration thing. When I say getting scattered, I use that phrase almost explicitly to refer to that point where the frustration is starting to happen. And the low tolerance thing where you, as you said, frustrated at your own frustration, nail on the head, you get agitated, you start getting scattered. Now you're mad that you're getting scattered because you're agitated and it's only making you more mad. Um, none of this helps you get back on track whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine um, only with age has that one been slowly corrected, you know, age and experience. I've had enough trial and error, enough successes and failures to refer to. Now I know what happens if I don't get it under control. I know what happens if I let myself get too frustrated. And the best thing I found, learn to walk away. It's the safest, healthiest option I've found. Just when you feel the agitation building, you feel the frustration coming up, politely say, excuse me, and walk away. Just go somewhere else and think for a second. Because very often it's the communication itself with other people that's causing the agitation, trying to relay what's in your head. You know, because your mind is skipping so fast, you, you can barely get all the information out before your own mind has gone into something else. Um, which is also why a lot of us are interrupters. So if your son interrupts you a lot, he doesn't mean to do it. I, it's because the thoughts jump so fast. We have to get it out before it goes away. Oh, so, yes. yeah, that's he, he, is an, uh, he is an interrupter, and I've learned to, to just accept it. That's the best thing I can do is just accept that, that he's interested in something else. It doesn't matter what I'm talking about at the time. Well, it's not just that. Uh, often we will, we will literally forget it. If it doesn't like waiting for someone to finish a sentence in my life, sometimes I have forgotten completely or the entire thing I was trying to say. Like I'll be sitting there being polite, telling myself, let them finish, let them finish, let them finish. And by the time they finish, you go, shit, what was I going to say? The old ADD reset. If you're holding a thought and anything distracts you, that thought goes away. Poof, gone. Um, And it's, when it's something you want to share or something you need to share, you're almost afraid of losing it. So the subconscious reflex to that is to blurt it out. Um, so let me apologize to all the listeners. If we ever had a conversation and I interrupted you 500 times, I didn't mean to. That's why. Uh, I, I believe that you've had a few select clients or coworkers that have, that fully get it. And, they, and you've had enough interaction with them. And you're like, Hey, look, so this is a thing. And it's a benefit that I have the majority of the time. Um, I would imagine there's a handful of people that just get it now. They're like, oh, yeah, that's that's just what Roger does. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that, well, at this point in my age, too, I've learned to accept how I am. I've learned to accept the condition. I've I've learned that 
I don't handle things the way everybody else does. I don't think the same way everybody else does. And the same thing goes for them. They don't handle them with everything the way I do, and they don't think the way I do. So learning that has helped a lot because um, right out the gate, a lot of the anxieties with interacting with other people go away. So I'm a little bit more open than I used to be. Most people I tour with nowadays, I probably tell them right out the gate, you know, or within a few minutes, I've got terrible ADD. Sorry. I'm telling you in advance. I don't, I can be scattered. You know, most people know this pretty early on and it seems more and more these days, people just seem to be a little bit more supportive than they used to be. Oh, that's great to hear. I would imagine it's, Hopefully podcasts like this are actually teaching people what to do with that information when somebody is that vulnerable and that honestly, like, hey, so this is a thing that I have. Uh, it shouldn't be any different from saying, hey, I wear glasses. So you know, you're going to have to deal with me wearing glasses because that affects my how I respond to things. You know, and I feel that people just, they figure you out, you know. I'm sure that my crew guys are used to me while we're all at the bar randomly walking outside and walking halfway down the street and back for no real reason. They've gotten used to that kind of stuff. For me, it was because I got anxious and bored being in the same place too long. But again, people seem to be more understanding nowadays. They see me do my weird little quirks and they're like, oh, man, he's just ADD is all hell. He's just doing his thing. <laughs> That's just Roger. Uh, do you have a, an opinion on medication for ADHD? So I have mixed opinions. When I, w- when I was younger, they put me on Ritalin and it didn't work. It gave me chronic headaches and they kept upping the dosages and it just did not work. Then later in life, I did have a short-term prescription for Adderall, which was amazing, but it had too many negative side effects. Um, screwed up my sleep cycle, like completely screwed up my sleep cycle. And I was already, you know, already had plenty of problems with my sleep as it is. Uh, it, it seemed to manif- or magnify my anxieties. So I definitely didn't need any more help with that. <laughs> um, however, I will say this. The only time I've ever been able to sit down on my computer for eight hours and knock out a website in one day was when I was on that stuff. Uh, but Because it's speed, basically. Basically. Uh, that's also why I don't like it. It's, yeah, it's speed. It's mess. I mean, you look at the bottle. It says amphetamine right on it. The, the sensations, all of that, that's an upper. And... Uh, we're already kind of hyper. We don't necessarily need to be jacked up. And it makes communication even worse, in my opinion. Uh, that's not a medical opinion. That's just subjectively, I found that when it jacked me up, it made it even harder for me to talk to people. Yeah, I should put a disclaimer that neither of us are doctors or know much about what we're discussing when it comes to medical drugs or can give any advice. We're just talking about our own personal experiences here. Uh, we are, my wife and I are rejecting any medications as long as possible because, oh, well, number, first of all, we live in Canada where they don't, that's not the immediate go-to solution is medication. We're, we're, we're rejecting it as long as possible until something presents itself. We're trying to figure out where, where the line should be drawn between no, this is just his natural way of being. 
and he could be better if we used medication as a, as a solution. Honestly, I think your best medicine is is a proper support structure. I I agree with you. You know, just you're already doing worlds better than a lot of my generation had. Uh, a lot of our parents didn't know how to cope. They did their best. They were great parents, I'm sure, but they just didn't know. You're already coming at it with a, a desire to learn, desire to research, you know, the desire to understand. That right there is already going to set yourself off a lot better than a lot of my generation had. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the major parts of why I took my new job with Ayrton. Uh, number one, the lights being uh, as amazing as they are, and I think they're uh, leading edge, and I think they're going to – I think Ayrton is – in pursuit of perfection, but also, side note, I got to use some of your spots and washes recently. Very nice. Oh, that's continue. great. Uh, the other one is because so that I can be home with my kid more often. And as you know, ADHD and twice exceptionalism, if, if you go one route, you can be the next Steve jobs or Bill Gates or Roger Pugh. But if you go the other direction, you could, you're the guy screaming at birds in the park, you know, trying to, <laughs> I kind of think that the Roger Pugh level is the middle ground between those. <laughs> I, I, I'm halfway to screaming at the birds in the park, but trying to be Steve Jobs. <laughs> if I ever run across the, you screaming at the park, I'll, I'll try and turn you around and put you back in the Steve Jobs position direction. Well, you know, ADD kids and squirrels. I'll probably just be chasing squirrels. <laughs> Ooh, squirrel. Right. Oh. So as Speaking far as ADD, my foot's twitching away like crazy right now. <laughs> as far as lighting design and lighting programming goes, how is it for you getting through a show? Like to be able to sit for ninety minutes to an hour or or even uh, two hours for a show. What do you do to get through a show? As with most answers with entertainment, depends on the gig. Uh, if it's something I engages me something i'm really into and there's no worries about it i click into the dancing ld mode and i rock out the whole way it becomes a full body thing and uh, you know next thing i know the show is over and i'm sad it's done but let's say if it's one of my corporate events um or some of the shows i do with kids uh, or if it's a music style that's not necessarily my style then i i just find Little little tools like pacifiers. So, for example, uh, Master Chef Junior. I've always had a bag of Swedish fish sitting in the console. You know, I just every time I, I felt a little bit of anxiety, I reached for something to munch on it, or I'd reach for my Red Bull. You know, I made sure that every single time I had a snack and a beverage, always for that one, just because I knew I would be standing there and I knew I had those little lulls where my mind would start to wander. You're um, an adult fidget spinner, basically. Basically. Uh, the oral fixation thing is, like, I think, a carryover from when I was a cigarette smoker. If I'm eating, if I'm drinking something, it's just like it was when I was smoking a cigarette. Um, I'm still doing something. and It keeps me just a little more focused than if I was standing there doing nothing. And then, again, if it's the show I get into... Like when you see me on my rock shows, I live up to that nickname, the Dancing LD. I mean, <laughs> next, next thing I know, the show is over, and I'm going, "Oh, that's amazing." 
So thank you so much for your time, Roger. This has been great. I, I hope that anybody who's listening is, is a little more aware or a little more informed about ADHD and what it uh, does in our industry and how it can be beneficial and some of the hurdles that we have to come over to, uh, to deal with ADHD. Thank you for having me. I also hope that this could help anybody and I'll be posting more memes on Facebook in case I can help anyone there too. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, sir.